Hello, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm Dave. I'm here with Linda, and we are talking to David Hyde, who's a senior solutions architect for games at Amazon Web Services. Got to be one of the coolest jobs. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's such a treat. If there's any gamers out there, or even you know, just wanting to learn the cloud, I first heard about this, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is like Magic: The Gathering and Hearthstone and gaming and all these amazing things wrapped into one." Which is how we got connected. And then I, for folks who can't see, but you may see in the when on the photo that's associated with the episode, you have a lot of gaming stuff in your background. It, there's got to be so many stories that you can tell us about working with companies that are in the gaming industry and using AWS for the cloud. So why don't we just start with that, like how you got into AWS and, and got this role? Sure. Um, how did I get into AWS? Well, first of all, uh, I mean, I was a DevOps engineer at a random company back then. And of course, at some point, business started to grow. And we couldn't, we couldn't actually find a provider that could grow as fast as we wanted to grow as a business. Like we wanted to order SSD drive and the provider told us, yep, uh, you will have it in three weeks. And this is where we made the decision. No, it's, it's cloud. From now on, it's cloud and nothing else. And this is where our AWS journey started. And it took us about five years. And at the end, we really had like a lot of uh, infrastructure running. I think a thousand EC2 instances uh, simultaneously, fully auto-scaled, like the whole thing. And I was part of that journey, started as DevOps engineer, later was manager of several DevOps teams. And then I said, well, maybe time to go further, maybe time to learn something new. At that time, I was also organizing the user group in my home city, Karlsruhe. And uh, so I knew a couple of folks from AWS. So I just was like, hey, um, do you have SA positions open? And maybe it's something that I could try out and yeah. And uh, this is how I got into AWS, and that is now five years ago. So I have my orange badge already. Woo! Was your first role solution architect? Yes. Wow, so how was the transition for you from DevOps to solution architect? Did you feel like, what were the things that helped you maybe in that transition? And what were the things that um, maybe you felt were like, gave you like an extra perspective because you had like DevOps experience? Mm. Good question. I think the term DevOps itself is not so clearly defined because a lot of people have an infrastructure background and they naturally come into an architecting role. And a lot of DevOps people have a developer background and they also transition into an architecting role. And I think DevOps is maybe incorporating the goodness of both sides and, yes. and making the best out of it. So I was clearly the infrastructure guy. Like I always had, had my Linux servers and I always... I'd, I never was satisfied with like how manual all the processes were. So I even before the cloud, I started automating stuff by introducing configuration management and this kind of things. So it basically was a step-by-step -step thing that uh, inevitably led, led to the cloud and, and led to me being an architect. It's so cool. I love hearing these kind of journeys because my back, like DevOps is so broad too, but evolved so much throughout the years. It's just like, interesting how it plays into even solution architecture and like that perspective of helping customers because you're also helping a lot of customers within AWS and you were you were working as a uh, you were a customer of AWS right when you were yes yes that's that's so cool I, I love hearing those those kind of journeys too because um relate to some of that but like I feel like I'm just in awe because I I think there's something to be said like were you in uh customer facing in the DevOps role or 
was the solution architect the first one that was customer facing? I was uh, working as a freelancer before I was actually working as DevOps engineer and manager of DevOps teams. So I had some customer facing experience. But uh, in my role before I joined AWS, I didn't have that customer facing aspect. So that was actually my learn and curious part, so to say, when I joined AWS to get to know again that the solutions architect is not only a technical a technical role, but actually a role that tries to understand the business requirements of our customers. And in the role that you're in now, what area of focus uh, do you primarily, like where's your expertise? Because there's just so much you can do within you know, being a game specialist. Yes, uh, absolutely. And I think uh, the value that, that we can provide to customers is, of course, understanding the industry, understanding the game industry, because that is very much different from a lot of other industries, because it needs to react super fast. And also the workloads can be completely different than myself. I decided to go into game security, especially into perimeter protection for games. So currently I'm uh, in the TFC for Edge services. So TFC is technical uh, feedback community uh, at AWS. So we know a lot about our web application firewalls and especially Shield or Shield Advanced as a DDoS protection service. Um, and this this is where I try to build up more knowledge and basically help our customers to to solve that challenge because gaming DDoS can be really a thing that can cause Killer a lot of, of player John. Yeah, yeah. If you have a <laughs> game that's running, uh, at some point, uh, someone will start to attack that. And, and this is where we then can help. Oh, yeah. You sit down. It's, you know, work's over. You've got the snacks all good to go. You're in the recliner. Or if you're a PC gamer, you know, you're sitting in your chair and you see server unavailable. We're investigating a potential DDoS attack. And then the yeah. sadness comes. So you're the superhero that's saving all of us gamers to be able to actually play these can can you you mentioned a couple services can you just define you know shield and and some of the other services mm. that AWS offers that actually help in scenarios like this yes sure imagine that you're playing a match against other players and you're about to win and suddenly the match is over because that server is down because it has been attacked yeah and mitigating an attack can be easy for you know, if you know basic firewalling, but if the attack has such a massive volume that it cannot be handled by one host alone, this is where like all the nice skills that doesn't help you, uh, don't help you uh, anymore because you need the full power of the of the of the network, and this is where Shield comes into the game or Shield Advanced, in that case. So basically, we can place mitigation rules right at the border of the network where we have the full capacity to mitigate any kind of large volume distributed attacks. Uh, DDoS is always a very unique uh, thing. So there is no standard recipe to mitigating DDoS, but what <laughs> we can do, especially for gaming customers, is help them prepare. Help them prepare for, for, for DDoS attacks and, and place rules that actually prevent DDoS attacks from, from the start. And, uh, but this is a highly manual process where we yeah. are very, very focused on helping the customer because every customer has a, has has their individual, their own games. Like also no game is, is uh, similar to the other one. So every game is unique and every approach to mitigating attacks for a game is also unique. And this is why we have with Shield, a so-called Shield response team or DDoS response team, which is a, a team of security specialists that oh, help wow. our customers to really build these custom rules out to make sure that they have a good experience. 
I love that because, and I like how you said that because it is an art form. You yes. know, it's like anything, any other creative endeavor, music, you know, illustration, it combines all of that. And it is really, uh, it's so interesting. I remember the first time I saw a World of Warcraft early, it was a Blade server. I think they were actually selling one uh, on the store for a little while. And I was like, the entire world in which I existed and put days out of my year into was on this piece of silicon, you know? And it's just, it's incredible. It, you probably have some interesting stories uh, of what you, you know, kind of behind the scenes of, of how mm -hmm. that uh, stuff works and scales up. And like any art, right? Maybe it starts small and then it's over time. One of the other games, I don't know if I ever talked about on this, I play as EverQuest, which was one of the first MMOs I played. And they have these um, time-locked progression servers. And that's a game that started out with Microsoft Access and like MySQL and has scaled up. 1999 is when I was playing that thing. And I still from time to time. So that's that's amazing. I'm so curious, was it intentional that you specialized in DDoS and, and gaming in general as a solution architect? Was that an intentional transition? Did, did you know you're, you wanted to go into gaming specifically at AWS? Hard to tell. I mean, when I started with AWS, I was actually in retail. Uh, so I worked with um. one of Germany's largest retailers at that time for two years. Uh, so I basically learned my ways of the enterprise, of the big enterprise. Um, but then we opened up AWS for games in, in Europe. And um, I got a ping from some people that, you know, we, we have our, our internal Slack and we have communities. And of course, we have also have some game gamer community there. And I got a ping that, hey, we're opening up some roles. And I was like, okay, I'm a gamer by heart. And maybe this is an industry where I can really uh, provide some value. And yeah, and here we are now. I'm in games for like three years already. So cool. Here we are. And you have something called AWS Builder Cards. Can you tell us a bit about that, how that came about? Because that's how I met you. I think that's how Dave also, yeah. um, uh, it's something that I'll let you explain. Yeah, I mean, um, even when I was working in AWS retail, I was a gamer uh, by heart. So I overheard a couple of solutions architects back then, and they were talking about battle cards. And, and you know, battle cards is for us internal cards where we describe services or describe solutions. And, and it's kind of a cheat sheet for us solutions architect and AWS folks. Uh, but I didn't know that. I was I was, I was like super fresh. <laughs> so what I thought was like, yeah, hey, cool. We have battle cards. Like we have some kind of magic cards or similar. Uh, but we didn't. And so, so I said, well, then let's create this. And then I started experimenting. Like how can I build all that AWS offers as services? How can I make a game out of this? Like how can I reward good architectural behavior somehow with game mechanics and make it, uh, make it accessible? And then I came up with the idea of a card game. And I started to build a card game. I iterated a couple of times. And ultimately, at reInvent uh, 2019, uh, we had the first demo version. And we used to have a, a, a small event called Game Night at reInvent, where like board game players meet yeah. in one of the session rooms. It's, a, it's an evening activity. And I just distributed 200 games there to get first feedback. Then we had COVID. So it was not, was not the best time to like distribute a game that encourages people to sit together physically. But uh, still, well, I had my job. So it was always a side quest for me. 
And I took the time to like refine the mechanics, refine the balance of the game, make the design a bit nicer. And I reached out to so many teams at AWS that helped me out, like design team, brand team, legal team for the name, and so on. Marketing, obviously. And then um, back in uh, 2022, when we had the chance to have physical events again, um, we had it at reInvent in the training and certification launch, like 1,800 games or so. And it was really a big success because people really enjoyed it. And we, it turns out we made a pretty good game, actually. <laughs> and I'm so glad you stuck to it because um, I, I found out about it in 2022, reInvent. Yeah. And so many people were talking about it and they, they're really cool. Did you iterate between, did you continue iterating what was the difference for you in 2022 versus 2020? I guess, uh, for, versus 2021? Uh, did you, sorry, I forgot who it was. 2019. 21, yeah. Uh, the difference was that I had something that I could share officially. Like it was no longer a preview or better thing. So it was really an, an official thing. It was approved by marketing, um, was ready to give to customers. And I could actually ask for feedback. I could sit together with customers and play it and ask, hey, do you think that works? What do you think? Um, do, do you think it can help you learn AWS? Because it's also, a, you know, it has the training and certification logo. Because I think it's it's a natural fit for the game. It it teaches how to to build on AWS in in some way. Obviously, yeah. I took um, and and your your question was if I'm if I'm, I'm iterating. I'm yeah, always, iter always iterating on, yes, on the game. Really, like everything that gets back to me uh, as feedback. Um, every voice, I try to hear it. I try to incorporate it to, into the game. But now I'm at a point where the game has reached some, I would say, stability. So I cannot change too too much or too drastically. But yeah, every feedback is more than welcome. Yeah, can you explain for anybody who like hasn't seen them how it works specifically? Like what they are. We could even also show them visually, of course. Yeah, the, the, I was going to say, you need to do a new keyword. You're going to have to do an expansion and a new keyword for those that do <laughs> card games. And I'll put, because something like this is visual. You know, it would be like trying to explain Magic the Gathering we or Hearthstone rules without it. So yeah, we'll, Linda and I will make sure we have it in the show notes. But yeah, what are the base meta rules of this mm -hmm. game? How do you summon cards? Is there any rare yes. services? Well, the base journey is, so first of all, it's a deck building game. That means that a deck building game is that you start with a deck of cards that you have. And during the gameplay, you basically enhance or enrich your deck with new cards and new capabilities and build a strategically better deck to be better than your opponents, ultimately. So how we solve this with AWS Builder Cards is that you start with 10 on-premises cards. And uh, this is what you have. So with all deck builder games, like the starter cards are nice, but not so valuable. Uh, uh, and this is on-premises. Yeah. But what on-premises give you is total cost of ownership, like TCO. So basically this TCO, you can reinvest into nice, shiny AWS services turn by turn. So turn by turn, you acquire more AWS services with your existing TCO. And once you are at a point where you have a lot of AWS services in your hand, you can actually start, build, and combine these. Like I give you an example, when you have um, an elastic file system and you combine, combine this with a compute service, you get an extra credit. 
But hey, it's an elastic file system, so it's made for a lot of compute services, right? So if you combine it with two or three, you get even more credit for that. And this is basically how I try to build the game, that it rewards good architectural behavior and, and places the services where we actually see them as a, I would say, sound uh, architectural combination. And then basically, whoever builds the best can then win the game by acquiring so-called well-architected points. And you can only acquire them with the AWS cards, like not with the on-premises cards. What's the energy or the cost of the cards? Is that because you said you're a TOC. Do you get a TOC pool and that's all you can use per game? And is that set ahead of time? Or what's the, ex the existing mm -hmm. resources you need to actually use these cards? Yes, it's a t TCO. So total cost of ownership. Mm -hmm. So if you have an on-premises server that occupies like one TCO, could be one person managing the server, could be skills that are required to manage this the server. And basically these skills, these resources, these people, you can reinvest into um, running an AWS service. And then we have a second currency with AWS services, which are the is of AWS credits. And I actually have on the cards oh, that's two, awesome. two, two kinds of icons. So the, the dark gray one for the TCO and the orange. And we have a lot of orange uh, things at AWS. Right. Uh, and the, the orange is the AWS credits. Ah, okay, got it. So cool. Wait, so so now where are people, so you, where are people playing this, right? I know it was a reInvent. What is uh, the current like status as far as, as building? It started in reInvent and that is, almost half a year ago. So when we started planning for the summits in EMEA, because, you know, I'm based out of Germany. Yeah. So I have a stronger connection to EMEA than I have to the US. But uh, we had uh, 2,400 games uh, across most of the EMEA summits, like the AWS summits. And How long not, are these games? How long do they last, a typical match? When you learn it, it takes a bit longer, like 45 minutes, maybe. Oh wow! But, yeah, but, but 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 once you know the game uh, and once you know to how to play, it's like really as easy as riding a bike. And this was also part of my design to make the game short enough to fit into a lunch break. Because you know you will not play this with your family; you will play it with like coworkers or, or at your workplace or wherever people are AWS savvy. Okay, so I'm finding you on the lunch break at reInvent. Yeah. Now, actually, at reInvent, you will find us in some um, play area. Ooh, it's going to be a play area at reInvent. Speaking I of, cannot what's disclose what's too much. Uh, we have a couple of things planned. Uh, let's just say uh, there will not only be builder cards, but maybe some extension to it. Because, you know, we have a lot of services at AWS, more than 200, and somehow they need to get into the game. How many services are in there now? How many how many cards are in a deck? Base game has like 140 cards okay. containing like 32 AWS services at the moment. Got it. And where do you acquire the deck? That is the good question because, you know, a lot of customers have been asking me, okay, where can I get it? I want to buy it from Amazon. Um, I want to buy it somewhere because I cannot attend every event that you guys make. Yeah, so currently I'm trying to find a way how can we make it available more broadly. And we have an internal order process. Like if you're an Amazonian, you can order it for yourself, but only in like bigger amounts, like starting from 50 games, because every order is basically a new print run. So it does not scale uh, for smaller quantities. But I want to change that, actually. I want to find a way that everyone can order one game at a reasonable price. But we are not yeah. there yet. 
but I think I'm on a good track. And you were talking about base game and extensions. Like, like yeah. what are those cards? Like what Linda was asking about, like w- the iteration and the base and the new, I, I'm thinking of them in terms of expansions, but I know you're saying extensions. That's actually both uh, possible. You have expansions and extensions and uh, really? so-called booster packs or collectible cards as well. So the base game, yeah, is really for like understanding the basic concepts, understanding the basic services. And we have, you know, Lambda, EC2. We have very important services to build event-driven architectures like SQS, SNS, EventBridge. But we do not have specialized services for specialized industry areas yet. And this is where the extensions come into the game. Yeah. So to say. Yeah. So extensions can help us build specific parts of industries that are not typical for, for, for standard workload. Let's say maybe look at IoT or so. You have very specific services for IoT and they would probably not fit into a standard game, but an extension, that's the perfect place for that. So this is what we're looking at. And we we built the game in a way that it actually can incorporate everything that AWS has to offer, like not only services, but also frameworks, looking at Amplify, looking at uh, the well-architected framework, the cloud adoption framework, like all of this can be part of the game. Even account managers and solutions architects, you know, there are special uh, collectible cards that just uh, are solutions architects and you can get it as a customer if you engage with your solutions architect and if they have uh, the card, obviously. There's also QR code on these cards, right? Yes. That we is, need I mean, the Linda Haviv card. It's a gold border, super rare. I was we, actually thinking about that, like like not not only a Linda Haviv card, but but a card for for like all our uh, most visible faces, which are the developer advocates. I would love to make a series of cards we, with avatars for you guys. On YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I want an Emily Freeman card, and it just hollers yeah. at the other cards. <gasps> Shout out to him. <laughs> The next, like, so the next event is reInvent, and it's going around in EMEA summits, and we're iterating. What has been the feedback? You mentioned twenty four hundred games. Like, what are the the, yeah? What's the been the feedback from customers? Feedback has been overwhelmingly good, and I'm I'm, I don't say this to to like brag, but but really we um, we set up a survey and we set up play tables, so we did not only distribute two thousand four hundred games. In fact, we had dedicated play areas at the venues where we sat down together with customers and instructed them how to play and gave them a, a, a game as souvenir and politely asked them to like fill in the survey, like, how did you like the game? Do you think it helps you learn AWS or helps your company learn AWS? And, and we got 4.86 out of 5 from nearly 300 responses. So wow. it has really, really good rating and also 4.7 for the learning factor. I cannot Congrats. really... I cannot ask or wish for more, honestly. I was so happy to see that it was reaffirmed in, uh, by our customers. Yeah, so super happy. Too, um, to, to see that kind of reaction. And I, I have to say, like, I hear the, I see it in my DMs too. Like people saw like just a picture of it even on, on like social media and they just, you could see kind of the excitement around it. I, I think it's really hitting something yeah. that people want to gamify it and, and learning could be really fun and it's it's just really well thought out i have a question um is there a video or page where people could go to and see how to play it and and resources about it yes absolutely i mean um 
I put all the rules and even an instruction video online. Uh, so now that, that you hear my voice, you can actually see my face if you watch the video. <laughs> <laughs> but based on the feedback we got from the summits, I will actually create a new video and, and, and re-film some of the parts because we got new, <laughs> we got different feedback for on, on, on some parts of the video that can be still improved. So yeah, like, like we said earlier, I'm constantly iterating to make the game better, to make it more applicable to customers. But yeah, you can learn about the game anyway. Just, you know, there's probably links uh, attached yeah. to the podcast or just Google for AWS. We'll add that on the bottom of the show yeah. notes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe I'm looking at, so uh, aws.amazon.com slash game tech slash builder parts. That's it, yes. Cool. <laughs> okay, so what are you most excited about in general in the gaming industry? Maybe, like just... Um, I think I'm most excited about that these people love what they do. And it's it's an art form of making games. And of course, I mean, there's always a business behind that. There's always the intention to generate revenue or to make a living of what you are doing as a job. But especially among gaming custo- uh, customers and companies, I see that they actually love what they are doing. And of course, they have the mission to make money, but they also have a mission that is as important as that, and that is getting their game out to the world, bringing art to the world, bringing entertainment to the world. And this is what I love about this industry. I agree. And it's any kind of creative endeavor. You know, it's the merging of tech and the art form. And I just, I got to ask, like, what are you currently playing here? What is, what is your favorite board game right now? Cause you and I had conversation when we first met around board games and emulation, we were talking about steam deck and all Mm -hmm. that. What's your like just inspiration kind of favorite board game right now. And also what is your favorite uh, game of choice that you're playing as well? There are so many board games that I really like. Honestly, I cannot tell which one is my favorite. You know, I'm playing Catan with my kids. I'm playing... Oh, yeah. uh, and they have the junior edition too. Are they yes. playing like full Catan or the, the beginner? We started with a beginner when they were small, but now they yeah. are... Like my, my son is uh, 13, uh, my daughter is 9. And the other one yeah. is still one year old, so she is not ready to play uh, this kind of, of games yet. Uh, but yeah, we're playing uh, the professional version and we're playing much more advanced games such as Dominion, which is also yeah. a deck building game, which inspired me also some of the mechanics to, to build builder cards. We're playing a lot of Clank, which is also a builder cards adventure game or, or and, and, sorry, a deck builder adventure game. Yeah. Um, but I have like a hundred or more, probably 200 tabletop games somewhere in my <laughs> my closet. See, I, <laughs> I love that. I grew up. So I made the mistake as a young boy of just completely dominating Monopoly. And then no one would play with me. <laughs> and as I got older, I realized it's not who wins the game. It's are you having fun with each other? And I would try and teach that to my kids. And they're like, no, dad, what's the point if you don't win? So sometimes yeah. wisdom is is lost on youth, right? <laughs> and uh, I love the fact that you have family that is playing all of these different things yeah. with you. And uh, it's so, you know, it's so important. And it's adventures together. You learn how to lose. Like, I think one thing that I, I love. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Is yeah. They, they learn how to, like, lose and learn that actually losing is just your practice, right? You're going to lose many times till you win. That and, is so um, true. And, and yeah. uh, such an essential learning for, for kids. kids. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. What are your thoughts actually regarding the parallels um, for gaming and tech, even for kids? Because it's kind of interesting. I, I, I think a few of us have our kids gaming, and, and it's. I, I would love to hear your thoughts there, especially from your background. Yeah, I mean, for us as parents, um, I think we are now in a different generation. Like when we were young, there were basic games, like consoles, what we refer to now as classic consoles. They did not have the mechanisms that gaming have has today. Like not the constant incentive to, to go for a next game, to buy something, uh, to wait for the chest that opens on the next day and so on. So it's a completely different challenge because it has been deeply researched, like what triggers dopamine in our brains. Right. And of course, that is used with the current games. So it's really hard for me as a parent to, to, to get, to grasp that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and also, how much fun can I give to my kids, like allowing them to play as much as they like, but also, on the other hand, protect them? Protect them, for sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't figured out, haven't figured out the silver bullet here, honestly. I think this is a question <laughs> for all. I think this is something we're all, uh, you know, kind of trying to figure out. Like for me, I was, you know, and this is of course is very subjective. This is of course that everyone to each their own with that. During COVID time, my kids were home a lot, and it's winter, and it was winter, and and they were quarantined, and that was the time when we started gaming more because I preferred that over iPad. Like I was like, if there's a screen, I prefer you're thinking or doing right. something versus, you know, just watching or something. But again, I also put like, I try to use the parent controls and limit the time, but you know, it's, we're all, we're all learning and it's very different definitely for this generation versus like when I was playing Sims and Game Boy Advance, you know, in the car and like, it was just a very different time. GBL. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but honestly, it helps uh, me being in the gaming industry or being connected to the gaming industry. I can explain to my kids, you know, why this chest unlocks tomorrow. They want you to come back. <laughs> yeah. And I can now, uh, I can speak to you know for for my kids who are older now. They hit right at the time exactly what you're talking about. Is the industry shifted from buying a base game and maybe an expansion every year to all of these in-game, in-app purchasing. And what I didn't realize is the peer reinforcement. So my kids would come yeah. home talking about other kids, talking about how they got this Fortnite skin. So suddenly there was social status built upon the actual game. And people were, it became like, you know, at the schoolyard talk, people talking about how good they were at this game and what this streamer was doing. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's moved past a horizon where I, when I was gaming as a, as a young man, it was all offline, you know? So it was yeah. primarily, I could be in my head. It was a way for me to actually uh, take a break from social interaction. You know, I'd be out all day skateboarding and then I would go and game to, to, to kind of, so there's that. And I, this is what I think is what I learned from it. It was the first time I got to talk to them about limits, especially, and the costs of things. So what we did was we set a budget and we said, you're going to have to do all these chores and this is how much money you get for the whole month. And it might be something like five bucks, right? And they had to actually do chores around the house. And when this is gone and they would beg, it's gone. Right. And you can't get the other skin. And it was uh, it was a life lesson, I think, you know, of uh, because I wasn't naturally talking about money or anything like that. You know, it was like dad, mm. the things that aren't taught at school, like the things that aren't taught sales, 
you know, finance, self financing, you know, like all yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for day to day life. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I would still do the dad thing where I'd be like, um, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I, f I feel generous today. You can go do $5 in Fortnite or something like, you know, just to give him like a little treat. I'm like, you've been amazing. You've been helping your mom. Why don't you go get yourself a skin? So it, it became yeah. like that. And now they look back that they're way older and they're like, dad, I can't believe you let me spend that much on Fortnite. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's like, it's just a growing, evolving uh, thing over time. Just like Linda said, we're all, we're all learning. Yeah. But uh, hey, you also asked what I'm playing. Um, and it's not about tabletop games. So, of course, I'm yeah, playing yeah. lots of digital games. And I think I have every Nintendo console that has been produced. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a Nintendo fanboy, I admit. But I also have my PS5. And, of course, I have PC and a Steam Deck. So I, I think I have much more consoles than I have shirts in my <laughs> I imagine you have a wall of like I feel you see when you go to the Nintendo store in New York City, you have a wall of all the consoles. I'm imagining you practically have that. So <laughs> I see the displays behind you. I know people listen to people like you have a, a very cool memorabilia. And I, I was like, that is that is awesome. I'm just imagining. Yeah, and, and we're also kind of Nintendo fan house over here and, and so love it. Where can people connect with you and, and any next uh, anything you would want them to check out as well? I mean, you can always find me on LinkedIn and or Twitter. Um, always, I might not necessarily accept every uh, request, but you can surely follow me. And and if you want to learn or stay connected to builder cards, I'm regularly posting uh, there what's going on. And of course, if you're a gaming company and you want to have an SA consult you, then probably you might end up with me as well. That is so cool. One more point. We're, sorry, I know we're just continuing. This is just, it's just a conversation regarding the social aspect of the kids playing. Mm -hmm. I feel like the screens are larger now with the consoles, right? With the yeah. Nintendo consoles. And yeah. it's like, even when you're offline, you could play next to somebody on a bus. Like, much more easily than like with a game book, like with, with the smaller screen that you see yes. around. Yes, gaming has completely changed. Like uh, you can't take it away. You can, there's there's even, you know, there's Twitch. You right. know, there's, there's, there's a complete new culture that is not focused on playing, but just watching. on watching people play. My son is six yeah. and he watches people game yeah. Yeah. all the time. Browsers for- Linda's on, Linda's on Twitch. I am on Twitch. We talk about AWS. But speaking of games, there's also um, a way to learn about certifications with a game called CloudQuest, which is pretty cool. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's some Twitch. There's actually Twitch walkthroughs on that, too. It, it is good for, for walkthroughs. No, but a lot of um, a lot of people have been asking me, both from AWS and also customers, like, is there a digital version um, yeah. of the game? And it's definitely something I'm looking into. But of course... You know, it's it's my pet project. Like I'm a solutions architect. I work with customers like eighty percent yeah. of my time, and maybe the rest twenty percent I take to learn. And there's a lot, really a lot to learn at AWS all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and what's left of the time I put into builder cards. Uh, so yes, I have Unity. I have a Unity license. I'm working on a digital game, but I do not expect this soon to finish, um, unless someone says, "Okay, David, let's." Build the team. I was going to say, I know some Unity. Then, I, I know some <laughs> Unity devs. Yeah, yeah. And so, thank you so much. I mean, anybody, and I'm sure folks that are going to listen to this are going to want to get their hands on the actual deck. 
it shows anybody that plays this shows that your passion has come through. And I certainly, I appreciate everything that you're doing. It's, it's just uh, incredible to see something like this. The first time I saw it, I was like, what? <laughs> so just, you know, thank you. And thank you for taking the time to, to come on the show. You know, when I started, I thought everyone would be doing something like that. Like somewhere at AWS, someone is building a game and I will probably find 10 people that are doing the same thing. Uh, yeah. this is my, my this is my top learning if you have an idea go for it don't hesitate do not think that someone else is having the same idea and let that stop you just just go for it and go as far as you can go and i actually met someone who built a game but we were not competitors in fact we collaborated and built a much better game out of that oh that's awesome too. i love that piece of advice because it's it's true in life too i have found if you're the person who sees the problem you're the person yeah. who actually knows the solution most people don't. Most people who wouldn't even be able to build that wouldn't even see the need for a deck builder game. And the fact that you felt that calling and and you saw it, that's when you're in your purpose. You know, that's when it's like you're not you're not working. You're just it's just your passion. You know that yeah. comes through. And I think that's important in in all of life. Some people have gifts for for creating things. Some people have gifts for organizing things. Some people have gifts for being the person that's leading. Some people have gifts for lifting people up. You know, yeah. So it's. It, I think you uh, you found that. So thank you. And there's also thank different you. ideas and execution, and you really executed on this. And not only that, through COVID, paused and then continued and kept out. So that's yeah. incredible. Um, and I'm so excited to see where this where this goes. I'm excited to play the game. Uh, and and excited to, to amplify some more with some short videos. And it. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm pumped to see what's next. Really, such so great getting to chat with you and learn more about builder cards. Thank you so much for having me today. It was absolute pleasure. Thank you. We'll have to uh, we'll have to stream uh, some matches with each other. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs>